Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. She is so in love with him that this longing for him leads to the seeking after him. And that's a truth, I think, that can oftentimes be missed. Because that which you love and long for is that which you will seek after. Proportionate to your love for and longing for someone, you will find this seeking after them. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Song of Songs. If you say you love God and long for Him, do you actively pursue Him? You can't expect to grow closer to God without seeking Him out and longing for more of Him in your life. Today, Pastor J.D. will encourage you to seek hard after the Lord. When you do, God will show you love and abundant life to the full. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Song of Songs, Chapter 3, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We will complete Chapter 3. We left off last week in Chapter 2. So we'll invite you there to turn there at this time. Okay, Song of Solomon, Chapter 3. So, here in Chapter 3, we we see a lovesick bride. This is from last week, uh, by her own admission actually. She says of herself that she was lovesick. So in love with her bridegroom, her lover, that it was having this impact on her in every area of her life. It was affecting her emotionally, certainly. It was affecting her physically. Uh, It was affecting her mentally. Uh, All she could think about was him and her love for him, and conversely, his love for her. And so we now see her, this lovesick bride that is longing to be with her bridegroom. And this longing is so intense that we find her here in this chapter seeking him while he may be found. And she's diligently seeking for him with all of her heart. I was thinking about this earlier today, this notion of being lovesick. Stay with me on this. We love the Lord with all of our heart, emotions, soul, emotions, spirit, strength, body. It affects our love for Him every aspect of our lives. And so we find her in this condition where she is so in love with Him that this longing for Him leads to the seeking after Him. And that's a truth, I think, that can oftentimes be missed, because that which you love and long for is that which you will seek after 
proportionate to your love for and longing for someone, you will find this seeking after them. I want to come back to that in just a moment, but her lovesick longing paints this poignant picture on the canvas of typology, which is how we're approaching this book, this picture. I I like to refer to it as a scripture picture, a type, uh, a picture of that which is yet future in our marriage to our bridegroom, Jesus the Christ, we as His bride. So that's the typology, that's the picture that is painted here, and it is poignant in the sense that it relates to our longing for Jesus as our bridegroom. Um, I have to say that especially in this day in which we live, I have never personally longed for the Lord's return as I have in all of my life, and I've been walking with the Lord for 38 years. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost a, a longing, an aching, a pining, a groaning for Him. Before we jump in, I want to look at two passages of Scripture that I think are going to be germane to our understanding of this chapter in terms of the personal application. Um, You know, I always like to ask the Lord, inquire of the Lord, Lord, this scripture, this chapter, this passage, it's here for a reason. Obviously you deemed it necessary to include this in the pages of Holy Writ for a reason. What is that reason? That's a good question to ask. Why is this in my Bible? What is it that you want me to see here? What is it that you want me to hear here? If I can say it like that, that was an interesting play on words. Not intentional, I'm not that clever. So (laughs) what do you want me to hear? I want to have ears to hear what you desire to speak to me. I want to have eyes to see what you desire to show to me. What do you want to show me here? I think the answer to that question is, I want to show you, in my love for you, what longing for me looks like, and what it will be like, and the impact that it will have on your life. Two scriptures. The first one is 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Again, one of my favorite (laughs) passages of scripture in all of the Bible. In verses 7 and 8, Paul knows that this is how it ends. He's at the end of his life. And he says, I I know that my departure draws near. Uh, This is likely the last letter I will ever pen. Uh, These are my final words to you, Timothy, my son, whom I love like a son. And he's now going to sort of wrap it up and explain to Timothy that now as he nears the end of his life, that verse 7, he says, I have fought the good fight. 
Those three words alone, when we get to chapter 4, we'll expound more on them. But it's not a good fight. It's the good fight. A fight can be a good fight, but it's just that, a good fight. But this is not just a good fight. This is the good fight. And by the way, the word good, let's just talk about it just briefly. (laughs) Never when a pastor says the word briefly, just take it for what it's worth. Okay, maybe just not so briefly, but um, it's the good fight. You know what the implication is? That not all of the fights are good fights. Or a God fight. Or the right fight. It might be the wrong fight. It may not be a good fight. But what Paul is saying here is he's fought the good fight. The good fight. And by the way, okay, one last thing on the the good fight. Uh, This will be the last thing. (laughs) Uh, The Christian life is a fight. Is it not? You'll forgive the silliness with which I illustrate this, but Paul didn't say, I've danced the good dance. I played the good play as one so aptly said, this world, this life, it's not a playground, it's a battleground. It's a battleground. And it is a fight. It's a daily fight. <laughs> That's a, another topic for another time. Daily. The problem with anything daily is that it's daily. <laughs> Every day. It's a fight. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Oh, here we go. That's what the Christian life is. It's a race. We're in a race. And he says, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And then he says this, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. You know what he's saying here? Here's the apostle. We're talking about the apostle Paul, right? At the end of his life, he's fought the good fight. He has finished the race. He's kept the faith. And now for all of that, what awaits him is that which awaits us too. Why? Because we long for his appearing. Can't wait to get to chapter 4. Maybe the rapture will happen first, which is fine too, I guess. (laughs) The second passage is Hebrews 11.6. The writer of Hebrews says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and, listen, that he is a rewarder of those who 
diligently seek Him. In other words, those who believe in Him, diligently seek Him, will be rewarded because of it. There's a reward in store for those who do. This is our bride in this chapter, and we're going to see it right out of the chute, beginning in verse 1. And again, it's not just the bride here in this chapter, it's us as His bride in the chapter of our lives. So let's begin. Verse 1, by night on my bed I sought the one I love. I sought him, but I did not find him. I will rise now, verse 2, I said, and go about the city, in the streets, and in the squares. I will seek the one I love. I sought him, but I did not find him. The watchman, verse 3, this is interesting, who go about the city found me. I said, have you seen the one I love? As we're going to see in verse 4, they're of no help whatsoever. <laughs> a couple of things I want to point out here, the first of which is, notice that she doesn't just wait until the morning. So uh, it's believed that she's dreaming, just, you know, this almost like a daydream, just longing for and, and dreaming about her lover and soon to be married to him, as we're going to see when we get towards the end of the chapter. And apparently she wakes up unable to sleep, and where is he? He's not here. And it's perhaps in the middle of the night, which in and of itself is interesting. Because there are those times when, in those dark night seasons in our lives, when it just seems like the Lord's not there. We're awakened from our sleep, unable to go back to sleep. And the enemy is right there, is he not? And I'm just going to be very open. I hope it's not uncomfortable for you. But that's when the enemy attacks me is at night. When I wake up in the middle of the night and I can't go back to sleep because he's right there putting thoughts, fear in my mind. And I can't go back to sleep and I'm like, Lord, where are you? And I'm, I'm praying, I'm seeking the Lord. You know, sometimes the Lord will allow you to be woken up in the middle of the night just for that reason to just pray. And it's hard sometimes to go back to sleep during those seasons in our lives. But isn't it interesting that she does not wait until the morning? There's an urgency. It's now. It's now, tonight. And these watchmen, ah, I got to say this because I think it's apropos, they're of no help to her. And they won't do. Notice that she doesn't just go to the watchman. No, she just asks them, where is he? 
and they're of no help to her. I think sometimes, especially with everything that's going on today, that maybe Christians look to the watchman, as it were, too much. So it's now. It's tonight. I have to find him tonight. Verse 4, scarcely had I passed by them when I found the one I love. I held him and would not let him go until I had brought him to the house of my mother and into the chamber of her who conceived me. Well, that's interesting. Why would she take him to her mother's house? Well, it's thought that this might have been maybe a cultural dynamic, a custom in that day. There is a reference to this. I think it's with uh, Isaac, I think. But I think that there's another reason here, and it's because her mother's home may have been closer than hers, which seems to fit with the urgency, with the now. No, now. I need the Lord now. I'm going to seek Him until I find Him. Now, not tomorrow. No, I, you know what? I'll get serious about my relationship with the Lord. I, I You know, I need to kind of you know, get my ducks in a row, which, by the way, I've never quite known what that is. I've had people email me and say, this is what it means. So I just picture this mommy duck with all the ducks, you know, in tow behind and all perfectly lined up. And so, oh, you're going to wait till everything's perfectly lined up. How's that working out for you? Let me say it like this. Bear with me. I think what's lacking in many a Christian's life is the now when it comes to the Lord. There's no now. I know that's not proper English, but I think you get the point, right? No, there's there's an urgency here. And it's evidenced by what we're told in verse 4 when she finds him. She's like, oh my goodness. And she grabs a hold of him and will not let him go. And hey, I'm not even going to, I can't even wait till we get to my house. My my mom's house is closer. It's in Kailua. We're going to go there first. The now, the urgency Verse 5, we saw this in chapter 2. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or by the does of the field, do not stir up nor awaken love until it pleases. Now, there's a couple thoughts on this as it having two possible meanings, one of which is that don't disturb Love, don't disturb me when I'm with my lover. You know, sometimes when we're with the Lord, there's all of these things that, have you ever noticed this when you go to pray, that 
I mean, the phone rings, someone's at the door, it's always a wrong number, wrong address, something, you know, just, hey, you, you know, the, the email, the, the notification, all those notifications, turn off the notifications. They are of the devil, <laughs> I'm telling you. The interruptions, this, this disturbing of love, that's one. A second one is the paramount importance of entering the marriage bed as a virgin. Again, we talked about this last week, but it speaks to the importance of purity. Don't stir up, don't wake up and arouse those passions before it's time. Wait, wait. You'll be so glad you did. God has our best interests at heart. Now, beginning here in verse 6, we come to the wedding day. And we're going to turn this corner, and it begins with the wedding procession. And oh my, what a procession it is. So verse 6, who is this, and this is key, coming out of the wilderness? That tells us right there who it is. This isn't the groom, this is the bride. Out of the wilderness? <laughs> We're the bride that has been taken out of the wilderness. And here she comes, like pillars of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense, with all the merchant's fragrant powders. Behold, it is Solomon's couch. It's not Solomon, the king, the groom. No, it's his couch. And don't picture a couch. <laughs> um, picture a carriage. You know, in the, the royal weddings, they have the, the bride and the groom in the the royal carriage with the entourage. That's kind of the picture here. And here she comes. Here comes the bride in this, this royal coach and carriage, and with 60 valiant men around it of the valiant of Israel. And verse 8, they all hold swords, being expert in war. Every man has his sword on his thigh. Why? Because of the fear in the night. Oh, interesting. Didn't we just hear the bride talk about the fear in the night? No need to fear. He's here. And all of his men are with you to protect you. I want to talk more about that later. We are so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. If you haven't yet found a church home, we'd like to encourage you to make that a priority. A church family can be a source of support, comfort, and most importantly, faithful prayer warriors. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to join our church family. At Calvary Chapel Kaneohe, we meet on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times, directions, and more at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. 
While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor JD's additional teachings, as well as his Mideast prophecy updates, an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this time in our world. You can also find Pastor JD's ABCs of salvation there. This is a great tool to share the simplicity of the gospel message with friends and family. Again, that website is inspiritandtruthradio.com. And specifically from today's message, Song of Songs is a book that many tend to shy away from. But when you read it through the right lens, it's a beautiful love story. God created love as something pure and something to be enjoyed. Relationships are gifts from God. As we continue to study Song of Songs with Pastor J.D., we hope you've been encouraged to view relationships in a new way. And not just earthly relationships, but your relationship with Jesus. The Bible is full of beautiful stories that can be applied to your life, so keep diving in. Well, that's all we have time for today, but be sure to join us next time for more from God's Word, right here on In Spirit and Truth.